good evening, everybody. Welcome to yet another yet another edition, but a very special edition of Drunk Agile. Uh, with me, as always, is my friend and colleague, Deek Singh. But and our but our special guest tonight is Colleen Johnson. Colleen, say Hello. something about yourself. Welcome. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Can introduce I'm a yourself. Capricorn. <laughs> like long what's on the beef? I don't. I like the uh, snow actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. I am the CEO of ProConban.org and the CEO of Scatterspoke, which is an online retrospective tool. Um, I live in Colorado. I have three kids, so mostly I like to drink and sleep. And three. three kids sleep. and a husband, so that's like four kids, really, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. I put them all down for a nap at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we want to hear more about Pro Kanban and Scatterspoke, but before we do, we have to introduce the star of the show, uh, who's, who's Nisha there with us as always. Hi, Nisha. <laughs> Thanks for joining us again. Thanks for being lending, an active participant as always. Lending, <laughs> lending her weight to, to any deep discussion we have. Um, so let's talk, let's talk about, just very quickly, Colleen, can we talk about Pro Kanban and Scatterspoke? What's, you know, what, what are they and why? And why? Yeah. Well, let's start with Pro Kanban. It's new. I'm super excited about this and I'm super excited about the community that's coming together to make it happen. Um, we felt like there was a growing need to have a community in the Kanban space that promoted learning and really learning at all levels. So whether you've never practiced Kanban, you're new to it, or you've been doing this for, how, how long have you been doing this, Dan? Um, too long, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, 13, 14 years, yeah. But Kanban specifically, 13, 14 years, yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, how do we invite all different levels of Kanban um, learning and background into the same space and make it a safe space to ask any question, to, you know, poke holes and challenge each other and challenge the way we're thinking about things and um, really have something that's focused on community first and foremost. Um, and then the, the second part of, you know, what we're doing with Pro Kanban is trying to create a uh, a third-party certification for your knowledge of Kanban that doesn't exist in this in the market right now. So there's lots of Kanban classes and there's lots of um, Kanban kind of misinformation, and it's not that's not necessarily anyone's fault. I think it's more just a product of the fact that there hasn't been kind of a standardized way to validate that we're all speaking the same language. So that's what we want to provide to the community. Um, it's been awesome. It's been all community-driven. Um, from the Kanban guide to the assessment questions. Um, so I'm super excited about this effort and all the people that are making it happen. I, I feel so like- that's I, Pro Oh, sorry, sorry. But I feel like we should put in a disclaimer at this point. Um, anybody who's, so, you know, if you're interested in Pro Kanban, go, Colleen, you're drinking and we haven't introduced drinks yet. That's, so we got to hand out rules next time. We got to hold, I can't believe yeah. you did that. I just can't believe in, in advance. Yeah. <laughs> so right. we're getting back to the disclaimer. Um, for any, we, uh, anybody who's watching this who would like to join Pro Kanban, please come, come to the website. We've got you know different ways that you can participate. But the big disclaimer is critique is involved. So I just, I feel like everybody should know that up front. Um, you know, I talked to my lawyer today and he said, this is something that you absolutely have to warn people. Uh, before they come is that is that the good well. news is by proxy nisha is involved that's true that's fair that is fair um she's okay pro combat mascot <laughs> uh, she's the brains of the operation everybody knows that um okay so let's let's do drinks let's introduce drinks and then you can introduce scatterspoke as part of the topic that we're going to talk about tonight i, I think yeah. that, that'd probably be the, the, the best way to do it 
Uh, Pratik, you want to start us off? Sure. Um, we're really, really getting low on options here, so I have to go back to my Glendronic. Um, that's seven fifty-seven point nine percent Pedro Jimenez casts Oloroso and Oloroso casts as well. So another that's that's a, that's a good one. Save some for save some for me. Remember, save some for me. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> so I, again, a part of breaking the rules, um, Colleen didn't get the memo. She only saw the W and the I as part of what's required drinking um, for our show. So Colleen, what do you, what do you actually, what'd you bring for us tonight? I brought a Rioja, a 2015. Oh, where's the camera? Rioja, let's see. There it is. Yeah, I yeah. have an affinity for Spanish wine, first and foremost. Like the earthier, the better mostly Irish so that will consume the whiskey part of my liver and then the other part of me is Spanish and so I try to drown it with Tempranillo and Rioja okay. <laughs> and the occasional Albarino. I'm not a big white wine person but I will I can get behind some Spanish lights. Yeah I don't I don't trust people to drink white wine I'll be honest with you I don't trust them yeah yeah but rosé is okay rosé is cool but I don't, those white wine drinkers are... white wine is like the corn dog of, of wine <laughs> Just... Uh, yeah, no, there, there can be good white wine, just, just to be fair, because we, we want to be diverse, we want to be inclusive. Um, all right, I, unfortunately, so Pratik and I did not compare notes before, unfortunately, I chose a, uh, I chose a Glendronic before, but he's right, our stocks are getting, getting dwindled because of, uh, because of the virus. 23-year-old um, Glendronic cast strength, 53.9% uh, bourbon barrel, so I don't know what, what kind of bourbon, it just says uh, a bourbon hogshead, so... Um, cheers, everybody. And Colleen. Cheers. Thanks for joining us. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Okay. So the second half of what you said is your, uh, your, your CEO of Scatterspoke as well. Is that the right title or co-founder or yeah, um, all, all of the above? Um, yeah. So yeah. Can you introduce Scatterspoke to us and how is that, how is that going to relate to the topic that we're going to talk about tonight? Yeah. So um, Scatterspoke is kind of a funny story. My husband and I started it together in 2015. He wanted to learn a couple new coding languages and was like, what's a problem that you have that I could try to build something to fix? And I was like, well, everyone cancels retros on Fridays and nobody shows up to them. And, um, and it's hard to get information out of people because they don't want to speak up. Can you just make a, a way to post anonymous feedback? And I'm bored. And that was it. And um, and this was all, I think, late night fueled um, by a campfire and a case of Coors Light. <laughs> so we did not think we were building a business. What <laughs> so could possibly go wrong? <laughs> I know. So I, and the naming, that's a whole nother, how we got to the name of Scatterspokes, a whole nother story. But um, it was really just very like, okay, let's just try this out. Um, so it was never like, let's build a business out of this. And we put it out there and it was cool. I could use it at client sites and, and have a quick way to get feedback and anonymous feedback. And it didn't do anything. It didn't keep action items or hold your history or anything like that. Um, and so we just left it out there as this free way to post a retro board. And um, all of a sudden we went and looked at our Google analytics one day and we were like, holy shit, there's so many people using this, but we didn't have any kind of accounts or any way to track anything. So we were like, what if you had to create an account? Well, if you create an account, we can keep all your history in one place. And if we can keep your history, we could keep your action. So it just kind of kept building off of each other. Um, right now we have a little over 40,000 users. <laughs> so it just grew so quickly. Um, and then at the end of, or at the beginning of this year, we got accepted into an accelerator program. So we took investment money on. 
Um, so we were both able to really go full-time on this. My husband is way more full-time on it than I am at this point, but, um, and we've, we've cut the free tier out and it's all paid tiers and enterprise level um, services now, which has been just a kind of a crazy ride from our Coors Light inception. <laughs> This is, this is just such a great product story because I know we're going to talk about retrospectives and all that later on, but um, I just love the, and, and Dan, you and I have talked about this on, on, on the podcast before, that we tell people to start small and get feedback. And that's literally what you did. Instead of, instead of waiting forever to build the perfect app, let's start small and get feedback. It's, it's such a great product story. Well, yeah, I think you... the other part that's that's funny about it is like all the stuff that, you know, like what you just said, what we coach people to do of start small. And I was able to watch people use it at client sites too, where I was using it. So uh, very close to everything, but all of the things that we coach teams to do, we do wrong still to this day. <laughs> so it's a constant <laughs> conversation in this house because it's like, don't people pay you to help them do this? And we can't seem to do it for our own product. Um, our releases are too big or like all the work sits on the board for too long, but I probably should have mentioned this is, this is being recording, recorded Colleen. So maybe you, <laughs> you know, might want to be a little bit working myself out of a job. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, so, so, so retrospectives and retrospect, cause you always came, I think you said this, but you always came at, at the retrospectives from a, from a flow perspective. Um, and we were talking before the call, I think a lot of people associate retrospectives um, with, uh, with Scrum only, you know, they think it's a, you know, a, a Scrum type of event, you know, if, if you're enlightened, people might think retrospectives is an agile thing. Um, but let's talk about um, retrospectives and Kanban. What, um, what do you have to say about that? Why, why, why do we do them? Why are they important? Do we even need to do them? Yeah. And well, I think even if you step back from retrospectives in general, there tends to be this division of like scrum being a very like feelings first people centric approach to delivering software. And yeah, it makes, Kanban, you wanna, makes you want to vomit, doesn't it? Yeah. Kind of makes, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. I was going to say it makes you want to hug, sing. I, I don't, I mean, that's, I'm into it. <laughs> that, Those are the exact parts that make Dan want to walk. <laughs> um, yeah. What's, wait, Pratik, what's your favorite saying? Oh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> people don't matter only data matters see there you go right so i was just gonna head to that direction i think kanban gets a bad rap for being so data focused that we forget about the people right and that that we're only paying attention to the data um and so i think what's and i i think i did this talk at lean agile us a couple of years ago but i think what's so important is both right like we need to we, we i like to start with data and look at data on a regular basis. And so I think when you think of a Kanban retro, to me, that's, I guess, maybe bringing some of the Kanban metrics and flow metrics into your retrospective on a regular basis and making that a just standard part of the conversation. But the other part is the people part. And it's, to me, it's how do you connect those dots? They're, they're, they're so much more powerful when you can look at that together than just looking at data alone or just having people have their soapbox for a moment and tell you what they hate. Um, so I think it's super important. It doesn't matter to me if it's Scrum or Kanban. I think you need both of those together. If, if, if we can go, if we can maybe go on the, the, the people-centric part for just a second. Um, it, it does kind of drive me nuts when, you know, because people, they, they love to ask, you know, the critics of Kanban love to ask, well, where, where are the people in Kanban? There are no people in Kanban, blah, 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 blah. 
And what, what drives me nuts about that is, in my opinion, the greatest sign of respect that you can show somebody is to not overload them with work, is to actually respect them enough to say, you know, we're only going to work on this minimal set of stuff, you know, that we're not going to throw 50 things at you at a time and expect you to get all of those things done in two weeks or 30 days or, or seven weeks or wh whatever it is, right? I mean, to me, to me I, I, don't, I don't know how you show someone, a professional, more respect than that. That's my, that's my soapbox. How about for you guys? Do you see retrospectives? I mean, is that a regular practice that you bring for a Kanban team? Yeah, I'll jump in and, and I absolutely do. And I think, I think, I think calling the way you described is the way I come about it usually to go, let's start with data. I, I, I personally don't, that's, that's where the whole people don't matter. Feel, uh, sorry, people, <laughs> feelings don't matter. Data matters comes from is I want to start with data. I will start there and then let's get the team around that to say, these are the things the data is telling us. What's happening here? What is it that we need to change to make this better? It's, it's, uh, for me, uh, software development and sports teams are pretty much very analogous in, many, in multiple ways. And um, most, most uh, professional teams right now start with the data and they go, this is what the trends are telling us, which means we need to adjust something. Now let's get the coaches together and figure out what do we need to adjust and then get the, get the players on board on that? Yeah, I mean, extending that metaphor, uh, the other big thing that professional sports teams do is they watch film, right? They go after, after, after games, they go in and they actually, they watch the film and they, they talk about what went right and what went wrong and, and you know, how can we, what can we build upon and, and, and those types of things. So yeah, to answer the question directly, I, I don't know how you manage flow without some type of retrospective at some point. I don't know how you do it. You know, I, I think a lot of people see Kanban as a way to get away from all of the scrum events. I usually argue the opposite. Um, when you start doing Kanban, those events, I think, become so much more important uh, from, a, from a flow yeah. perspective. Yeah, and I think the data piece of it's interesting when you think about the practice of even establishing action items. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of different approaches that people take here, and I've got clients that would probably argue that I am too, maybe too liberal with what I let the teams try. Um, but I think the best way to get their buy-in on things like whip limits is to let them set really crazy ones. <laughs> and so I'll use the retros as a way to say, like, if you guys think that you should each have 10 things in progress per person, Let's start with that and tell me what you think that the data is going to look like after that much try it for two weeks. And so I, I like to also draw a connection to the data and things that the team wants to try out to say, how can we figure out, you know, what, what do we think the intended outcome or the, the data will look like based on this change we're trying to make? And so that the team's always thinking about how what they do impacts those numbers, because I think you hear teams say all the time, especially with things like dates and deliverables. Um, that they have no control over those things, right? It's completely outside their, their control to influence any of these metrics or any of these um, deliverables. And so I like to try to use the retro as a way to connect those dots a little bit between their behavior and the metrics. And that's interesting what you're talking about with, let's see what the data would look like after we try this. That's, that's I think that I'm, I'm gonna connect that back to what Dan was saying earlier about when, when Dan was talking about watching film that's exactly what that is. When you come back and look at the data again, since we made this change, now let's watch the film, which is that data. Um, we don't want to just 
depend on someone's personal recall of how things went. We want to actually uh, watch the film and see what happened. Um, so particularly, because I know you've had some some interesting um, experiences with retrospectives over over the over the years. Let's let's talk about timing of retrospectives in common because I, I I suppose that's that's one of the biggest things because there is no there is no there doesn't have to be any type of time box in Kanban. How do you know when a good time to have a retrospective is? And I know Pratik, you want to tell the story of, of, of your team yeah. and how you knew you were having maybe your retrospectives, <laughs> so maybe we not, not frequently to, enough or too frequently. Yeah. yeah, so we used to do this thing where we did a retrospective every two weeks. And great, because a lot of stuff would come up. And then eventually we got to the point that the team was just going, we need more snacks in the team room. And when we hit that point, we were like, okay, we're doing this way too frequently. Let's move it to four weeks. And then we got to a point where it was like, we need more snacks in the team room. We're like, okay, let's move this out further. And that got me thinking, why is it that we're not doing retrospectives? Why are we moving this out? And essentially what had started happening was the team had gotten so good at picking up on problems and getting together right when the problem happened that we were doing sort of continuous retrospectives. Yeah. Yeah, just-in-time retrospectives. Just-in-time I mean, retrospectives. When something went wrong, we got together, figured out what happened, and, and took an action item to fix that so that it doesn't happen again. But yeah, we had this thing of going away from cadences, but then still doing retrospectives when something happened. Yeah, I mean, Colleen, do you have, do you have, do you have, I mean, do you have experience with that? or, or I mean, what, what are your thoughts on it? I definitely had a lot of retrospectives about snacks in the break room. I mean, that's... <laughs> And it's funny that that's an indicator of like, are we having the right conversation? Um, I think one of the other, like from a cadence perspective, you know, newer teams, I try to encourage them to stick with two weeks because you want to keep checking in. Um, and I feel like when their systems are more stable is when I tend to like dangle that as like, well, let, let's space this out more than if, our, if we're not changing much and the system looks really stable, we can space these out more. Um, but I think one of the other pieces to me that kind of for lack of a better word, is like almost retrospective maturity in some way is um, how you transfer what's happening in these team level retros up the food chain. And, you know, I know like in SAFE, there's an inspect and adapt workshop at the end of every um, release train where all the teams come together and talk about this. But, um, and I'll share this story because I think it's kind of funny. One of the clients I'm working with has, um, we do what's called a retro recap and we sit with the CIO at the end of every sprint and the scrum masters come with like a high level list of like, here's what the teams are struggling with. Here's something that has been a common theme for the last couple of retros, you know. Um, and in so many of those conversations, she's like, holy shit, I had no idea all the teams were struggling with this. Like, that's an easy fix. You guys need more, you know, everybody wants a monitor at home. Fine. Like we can do that or whatever the thing is, right? There's often no communication between what we're doing and talking about in those retros and the people higher up that can address a lot of those things. And so I think that that's like finding that balance to me, frequency matters less than um, volume, I guess, or power of, of, of how loud you can be with your retro feedback. Cause you, I think that's another reason you see teams stall. They're like, this isn't inside of our control to fix it. So we don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. Um, for, for the cadence thing, I, I can't remember if we've talked, cause we've talked about so many things, Pratik. I don't know if we've talked about it on this. Um, one of my favorite things that I learned from a, a good friend of all of ours, I think a good friend of all of ours, Frank Vega, um, and this is this is this was pre pre scatter spoke, Colleen. So 
I, I imagine you can do this kind of spoke, but it was pre Scott spoke and it's pre COVID. Um, but uh, a, a lot of teams that he worked with, they, they would put a piece of paper right up next to the Kanban board. And whenever had somebody, somebody had an idea of uh, something we, we should talk about in the ne next retrospective, they just write it up on that piece of paper and it was whip limited. So like whenever they got to three things or whatever, it's like, okay, let's stop what we're doing. It's time for a retrospective. Doesn't matter how long it had been, whether it'd been two days or two weeks or two months, right? Once they got to that, that limit, they're like, okay, this is about as much stuff as we can handle in a retrospective. Let's just, you know, everybody, you know, um, heads up, pencils down. Let's talk about a, uh, let's talk about what, what's, what's going on here, which I think is a, I imagine something like that could work in something like Scatterspoke. I imagine you could. Yeah, definitely. We have like a art, we're set up mostly for continuous, like continuous retrospectives. So I would say that's probably one of the things that we just, from the get-go, we did, we did not want to implement this phased approach, which a lot of the other tools have, where it's like gather feedback, vote, group, decide what to do. Like you guys are adults, just post your feedback. We have like a Slack plug plugin so you can add feedback over the course of your whole sprint. You're going to get better feedback if you don't spend the first 30 minutes of your retro staring at each other, trying to think of what snack you want in the break room. So yeah. if you can add comments to the, to the board, right, throughout your sprint or throughout the month or whatever your interval is, you're just going to have a lot better feedback to review. So we try to make it really easy to gather that feedback all the time. I love the idea of putting a a whip limit on it or a trigger to say it's time to have a retro yeah because yeah there's too much this and what you just said kind of dovetails nicely to what we we're talking about before with 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 pro kanban for people who maybe didn't pick this up pro, pro kanban actually is short for professional kanban and the idea behind professional kanban is exactly what you said colleen is like hey we're all adults here right <laughs> i mean we're all adults we're all professionals we we you know we 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 should know how to get along or we should know how how, how this all works and and we want to treat we, we want to approach this professionally. We want to treat each other professionally, and I think what you're saying just kind of kind of goes goes along with that. Let's let's you know, let's, let's have professionalism in every interaction that that we undertake. Um, it's I think it's a hard thing. I mean, there's a lot of people that want the playbook, right? They they want you to tell them how to do things. They want that like this is step one. This is step two. This is step three. Profit. Yeah. <laughs> you need the you need the you need uh, the guidebook, and I think sometimes it's unnerving a little bit when that's not in place. And I think we see that with Pro Kanban. We've seen it a little bit with um, Scatterspoke with people asking like, how, you know, why isn't this in here? And it's like, well, it is. You just can choose whether or not you use it, right? It's available to you. You pick if you need it. We're not going to make you go through these phases. Um, and it, it is an interesting dynamic. And I don't know if that's you know, generational, cultural, I don't know what it is, but I think for some people they want that guide. And it's, I, I struggle sometimes whether it's Kanban coaching or stuff with retros of how much of that do you give? I think, I think in general, we tend to be more, you have the freedom to pick your tools. Here's your tool set, go, go, go and do, as long as you do these things, we're good. I think in general, mostly people want to know where the exact guardrails are and they want those guardrails to be as tight as possible. But then within that, they want as much freedom as possible. So there's a, there's a, there's a push and pull between keeping those guardrails tight and, and, and having freedom. And I think we, at least the three of us, seem like tend to give people wider guardrails, <laughs> but yeah. people want tighter guardrails. Well, when you hear about things like adoptions, whether regardless of the, the method that, or approach that you're taking, when you hear about all these failed agile transformation efforts, I think it's because the frameworks are so rigid, right? 
that when people get involved, that breaks down. And so it feels like from a longevity perspective, you're going to have a lot more success with whatever you're trying to do if you have clear guardrails, like you said, and room to adapt it to fit what you need. Um, that, that, that context part of it is important in, in everything that we do. Yeah, we said we weren't going to talk about pro-Kanban, but this is why I love where we positioned <laughs> pro-Kanban the way that we did, because we positioned Kanban as, as a strategy, right? And we, we say, hey, look, this, this, it's, the, the, this is, it, it, it's a strategy. You, we're, we're kind of upfront and transparent about it and saying, you, this is the minimum. You are going to need other stuff. We're not going to tell you what that other stuff is because we don't know what that other stuff is in, in, right. in your particular context. But if you don't do these minimum things, you're probably going to be in trouble. You know, um, but but again, Colleen, like you said, you're all professionals. You're welcome to do and try what, what, whatever you want. What else? Any any final thoughts on uh, on retrospectives and especially in Kanban or I guess anything um, doesn't have to. This doesn't have to be Kanban. It's not drunk Kanban. It's drunk Agile. So. <laughs> I think one of the other things that's been kind of a funny journey, um, and this is not retrospective related. Well, kind of it is. We get, so we have a chat client on the tool so people can ask for, it's like, you know, support, right? It's not a bot. So first of all, um, don't be an asshole. Like people are so mean. We had somebody pop on after we launched our site redesign and they were like, this looks like it was built by a drunk intern. And I was like, ouch, buddy. <laughs> I'm sorry you feel that way. <laughs> you tell me more. But I was like, oh God. Um, so we've had like, we've had some interesting chat conversations, but one of the funniest and the ones that we get repeatedly is somebody who will pop on and be like, I need um, I need to know who wrote this card. Can you tell me who the author of this specific piece of feedback was? And we're always like, no, we, you know, we don't, it's anonymous for a reason and it's anonymous across the board. Um, if you want to encourage your team to put a name next to their feedback, they can choose to do that, but we're not, we don't, we're not going to keep track of that for you or disclose it. And we've had a lot of very pissed off people because they're like, well, you track it, they're logged in, you clearly have it. And I'm always like, that's also not the point of what we're trying to do here. And so I think that that's always kind of an interesting element of when you move your retrospective into a tool versus into a, when you're in a room, right? It's a lot harder to say something shitty about how things are working, about how your team is organizing together when you're all face to face. Uh, some of that gets like, you know, the, 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 the light gets uh, changed when you can just type it in and your name's not attached to it. And I think that's been a really interesting, um, probably the most interesting thing that is very different when you do your retros in a tool versus in person. We, we, so we absolutely, we absolutely have to have you back because there's, there's a couple things we've touched on that we need to we do a deeper dive on. Um, number one, this kind of MVP um, evolving a product, listening to customers type. There's a whole, there's a, there's a whole bunch of stuff there. Um, and then some prioritization stuff um, that I think that, that we, you know, that we, we, we can do. Um, but I, I, I want to, I just, I want to very quickly comment on the, um, on the MVP listening to customers thing. Um, we did, because particularly we, we did the uh, Everybody Lies. We did an Everybody Lies, one of these. Lies, yeah. Soon to be published if you, if, Again, we have okay. no idea what order we're publishing these. Okay. We have no idea. Nisha um, randomly picks, picks it out of a jar. Yeah. So, um, so the reason I want to comment on this, Colleen, Pratik will tell you, it's, it's, it's all about me. I, don't, I really don't care what he says. I mean, I care maybe just, just a little bad. bit more. I'm what, just glad he lets me drink. What you say. Um, <laughs> but we had, we, had a, we had a similar thing with Actionable Agile. I, I am pretty sure 
at least um, you know, before I handed over Actionable Agile, the, there were the, the top three customer requests that we got for features, the top three we were never gonna do. And Pratik, I bet you can guess, I think I've told you this, I bet you I can, you can guess the top number one I know the requested number one. feature. For sure, I know the number one. It's so Colleen, can you maybe guess, what do you think in, in Actionable Agile, what do you think is the number one? By, I mean, by far, it's not even close, by far. And it's something like you, something we will never do. Is uh, it cycle time per person? Mm, that's number two. <laughs> it's probably number two or three. That's yeah, yeah. But you're on the right track. You're absolutely on the right track. Throughput per person? Uh, oh, Pratik, Pratik, what is it? It's it's including nights and it's including weekends and holidays. Oh yeah. Yeah. How do I, how do we how do I exclude weekends? How do I include how do I exclude holidays right from from the cycle time calculation? So yeah, just just will not. Just, just will not do it. At least, uh, as long as I have any say, we, it's, it's not something that we're going to do. I think that's your point. You're, you're, you're just missing the point. If you're asking that question, you're missing the point. You're missing the point completely. Right. Um, yep. So. Like, uh, I think we talked about this. Like, it's like trying to lose weight by changing the definition of a pound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that approach. <laughs> if we just made the pound heavier, I would be lighter. Uh, so, Pratik, we're going to give our guests the last word. So, do you have anything to add on retrospectives before we before we call it quits tonight? Um, let's no, no see. Pratik, that's Pratik is going to. So, Colleen, yes. you think, okay. think about it for you a second, go. and then I, I, and Pratik will I, I, go I will, first. I will I'll drink more. Uh, I'll add one thing because <laughs> you mentioned Frank, and and maybe we should have Frank on at some point. Oh, we totally got to have Frank on. <laughs> yeah. uh, you guys can have a beard beard duel. Oh, yeah. Battle of the Battle of the Kanban beards. beards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Please, I, I shaved. I shaved this morning, by the way. TV Land, I shaved this morning. So anyway, me too. Um, <laughs> when, we, uh, when you mentioned Frank and putting a sheet next to the Kanban board, I remember he had one of my teams do this. One of the teams that he was helping out, he had the team um, not just put uh, what problem came up. He also had them put how often was a certain type of problem blocking a story? So problem X blocked the blocked X number of story days have gone to this problem. And then problem Y number of story days have gone to. And so at, at, the, at the next retrospective, they don't just know what to talk about. They also know what the priority is. The priority is no longer based on how important I think it is. It's, it's how much it has cost us. So I thought that was, that was a great tip too. I love that. Yeah, Colleen, can you can you wrap it up for us? Can you sum sum everything up for us? What's 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 the final word on retrospectives? Data, don't forget <laughs> your data. Um, well, and I think keep it simple. I mean, I don't. I think that teams have a tendency to try to overload. I've I've, I've seen them review like eight hundred different charts in these and. Um, keep keep the data review simple and focus in on the same metrics every time so that you're teaching the team how how to check in on how they're performing and then what things they can do like using action items and using kind of small bets or small experiments is a way to teach them how um, the changes that they're making to their process or to the way that they work together impact those metrics because that I think that that connection is super important. Well, so because we just talked about how important recipes are, do you have what, I mean, so for teams starting out with retrospectives, what, what data should they be looking at? Or is that, is that something you don't want to comment on? Well, I usually look at cycle time, whip, and throughput um, as, as kind of the main three, and I usually have them track them. 
in a spreadsheet. So just if that for each retro, I throw them in a spreadsheet with the date. And then I like to put, make it very clear for them. Is it up, down, or equal to what it was last time? Um, a, just a, so a spreadsheet, really? You're, you're killing me. You're killing <laughs> I know. Me. I, gotta, I knew you were going to be pissed at that. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. I, I've tried actionable agile i've tried other tools and other charts in front of the team and i feel like they get a little lost sometimes on focusing on the wrong things and the wrong part and then you spend your hour together talking about what why is there this little bubble in your cumulative flow diagram and i'm like it doesn't matter like let's just talk about these three numbers and so um, i try to simplify it for them i've also worked with um, some splunk dashboards that have been kind of a cool way to throw a dashboard on top of tools and pull that data out for them so that that's all we're talking about. And you can then filter by Epic or team or um, sprint and say, here's what those three numbers look like, depending on the parameters you're throwing in and it keeps the conversation really focused. And I like that because then um, the team knows what, what, like, then what did we change and what did it do here, right? And it becomes really concrete and I don't have to explain the blip in the CFD. Or explain it's for me, not them. It, yeah, or explain <laughs> what even a CFD is. All right, wonderful. We did. Did we do CFDs last time, Pratik? I think we did. We did CFDs last yeah, anyway, time. All right. Um, so, or for the uh, viewers, whichever time you watch yeah, this, exactly, whatever yeah. order you. Watch <laughs> this. Uh, all right. Well, so so Colleen, we were in, we are eternally grateful uh, for you joining us. I, I hope you will you'll come. Even though Pratik will be here, I'm hoping that you will you will come back um, at some point in the future. As long as Misha's there. Yeah, yeah well, of course, of course. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> she's, she's really busy. Yeah. <laughs> himself. Yep. Um, so that, that wraps it up for, for this edition of, of Drunk Agile for, for Pratik Singh and of course our spe very special guest, uh, Colleen Johnson. Thank you everybody for, for joining us uh, and we will see you in the next episode. Good night, everybody.